episode 26 gpu cpu real time are we ever going to get it right with another episode of 10 Giant Robots. How's it going? I think the levels are perfect. Yeah, we had some issues here with recording levels. Oh, the behind the scenes of recording a podcast. Which probably explains why your ears are being blown out right now. If you listen to this, if you're one of both of our listeners, then hopefully your ear, one on the left or the right. You can't even MP3 this. I mean, it's so high fidelity. This is a unique opportunity for you to adjust your volume. This is our gold master. I don't even know what that is, but but it's gold. So welcome back (laughs) to the Rambling Podcast. What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about uh, PJ's absence, and PJ is now presence. Oh, right. But I thought we were talking about something else first. Mm. I don't want to talk about PJ's (laughs) absence. Let's talk about something else. (laughs) So uh, are we we jumping right into topics? Are we going to introduce ourselves, or what are we going to do? Do people already know who we are? Do people care who we are? Well, if they were listening to the opening, if they were paying attention. But we didn't do an open. Well, we have our 10 Giant Robots open that mentions oh, our names. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot it's about true. that. It's that's, true. that's been all of four seconds ago So in our in this podcast. I'm I timing know. it out. I'm trying to back time it so that the listening <laughs> lines up with that joke. Right. Good job. Thank you. Doesn't happen. All right. So we were going to discuss, we discussed discussing right. the fertile topic of real-time rendering <laughs> versus uh, classic uh, software so- software rendering, Lame. which is uh, oh. what most everyone sees when they look at visual effects on uh, television or in movies. Is that why they look fake? No. Okay. The, they look fake for other reasons. Okay. <laughs> um, so... Uh, here's okay. So I'll shall I just kind of just launch, jump in there. Launch, shall I just launch in so you can just beat the crap out of it? Get in there. Okay. So check it out. Check it out, yo's. Um, there is a company called iClone. Boring. Wow, that didn't take long. Um, <laughs> so, um, and they started off as this company that sort of made like a consumer grade 3D software for people that were kind of interested in like machinima. What and is machinima? Machinima is. Person. No. You Machinima don't hear is, that much anymore. It's kind of. I think it's kind of dead. It unless sounds like that. some sort of like sexual perversion involving like so high tech machinery. A, here's a quick little intro, or here's a little quick uh, historical thing. So Machinima started off with Halo that I'm a familiar that I remember with Red and Blue, and basically some guys got into the game engine and hacked it, and they started making little movies using the game engine. And as far as I'm aware, it started with Halo. Okay, so game engine movies. Game engine. So they were using the game engine as a production tool rather than just to play video games. And this right. is consumer grade. So. That kind of people kind of like went, oh, wait, you can make like little movies with these things. And so what happened is a couple different companies started to create software that um, odor, should deodorant. Uh, So (laughs) I love it when you comment on things that people can't see. You should read a screenplay. You know what? Just continue your thought. But don't you like that right over there? Yeah, that's great. That's great. So anyway, so uh, 
so the idea, so so a couple of companies decided to make a consumer grade version of uh, like a movie making software for 3D, but it's it was really rudimentary. It would not stand up to like for, you know professional production standards. Well, over time, what's happened is. Uh, video cards have gotten better, and so the game engines can actually do a lot more in real time. And so the the thing that separated, you know, real time rendering from something you'd see in a movie theater or on TV, is really sophisticated, um, non biased, uh, like renderers like V-Ray and stuff like that. So it would create uh, the the light bouncing would be super accurate, all the measurements would be super accurate. So the, the it would be closer to a real real looking environment. So. Video cards have come a long way, and the technology has come a long way, and so some of those solutions are now starting to happen in real time. It's not exactly the same process. That's still a lot of heavy lifting. But um, So anyway, uh, there's a company called iClone, and there's a couple other companies that are also doing this. iClone, I think, is ahead of the pack right now. And iClone has gone from sort of a consumer-level software, and it still really is. That's its main target, I th- target audience, I think. But it's also starting to be used for um, animatics. So um, it's because it's really uh, it's much easier to use than Maya or whatever, you know. Um, and so uh, but I don't know to go from there. But one, one of the things I was going to say that, that you were like, come on, man, that's not true, is uh, a couple weeks ago, John Knoll and I can't remember who else, uh, the other another developer for ILM, was at GDC. Did you see this effort? I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. I forgot we swapped names. PJ. Okay. So see, PJ saw it. So <laughs> I did see it, and uh, I had no idea when I was so, watching so, it. So, 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 so here's so the deal. So we can fill in the listener. Yeah, so here's what happened. So if you saw Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One. Nobody saw that. All right. Well, if you happen to catch it at an art house cinema mm. thing, you know. Um, what was the main robot, the sarcastic robot? Do you guys know? It, K2 or 12, yeah, 17, or 5. Something. So anyway, that character, all obviously all CG generated. There are a couple of shots where they cut in uh, a traditional rendered version of that character with a game engine driven version of that character. And the the goal for ILM was to see how close are we with this technology to be able to do real time rendering that matches their render man pipeline. And uh, and the bottom line is close enough that nobody noticed. So they slipped in a couple of shots. Now, they weren't big, crazy shots with crazy dynamics. You know, they were very limited in what they did, but they were able to match lighting and, you know, and shading and that kind of thing. So, now, did they are, are you certain that they slipped in these shots into the movie that made it into theaters or they slipped in these shots into the edit for the purposes of, of demonstration? Well, um, I wish I knew. Yeah, but see, I I think the the idea, the point was that it could have been. <laughs> of course, and, see, I uh, thought they were I actually. I do wish I do wish I would have dug in a little deeper when I saw it. I was busy. It was my because uh, I watched the thing. It, I, I I'll, I'll go back and rewatch it, but I thought they were making it very clear they actually put those shots in the movie. Okay, well, so. folks, we're gonna take your calls. If any of you <laughs> know the answer to this question, yes. whether or not they were uh, well, those. Those real-time rendered shots of the robot made it into the movie. Give us a call at 10giantrobots.com. So, um, <laughs> wait, we have a caller from Des Moines on line one. Um, but to to sort of uh, keep running with that thought, at, there will be a point where uh, it'll probably start off with like hard modeling, things that are more easily reproducible. In like using, robots. Like robots and environments and stuff like that, things that are not organic in nature. Or uh, yeah. environments... Uh, a lot of environments are organic, so you're talking about like non-organic, uh, like like architectural stuff, right? Yeah, okay. So, um, but I think eventually what will happen is, 
as as more heavy lifting is handed off to the GPUs, and I just saw the 1080i uh, was announced, the new video card. Ti. Ti. Titanium. Yeah. So so the video card. What's what's what a video card can do now is beginning. It's it's getting huge. So it's really a processing problem. It's a bandwidth processing problem, and all that stuff's being offloaded to the GPU anyway. And it's not a limitation for any other reason than just you just need that raw processing power. So I think there's going to be a point where in the next five years, let's say, where you'll see a lot of real-time rendered stuff and you won't know. It will have its limitations, you know, um, and that doesn't mean you're not going to have to do a lot of hand-holding, you know, Um, but... So you were saying, everyone was saying, like, well, how do you even okay. work in that environment? Well, I don't gonna, know. I'm just going to jump Cats in here and, and say that you, you have now presented your side with so many caveats as to... What are the caveats? Well, well there are going to be some limitations, and you can only do some hard surface stuff, and it's going to be in five years. My point... So? Here's here's where what we were talking about prior to starting this podcast. We were talking about... Uh, how cool this technology is now and what you would do with it now. Well, and point being that uh, it is here now and it is. it is starting to be used in production. It is. But he- here's the, the here's the my point on this is that it does not mean that um, it's going to take the place of traditional software renderers. It there is a space for real time rendering or or fast GPU rendering. Um, where the environment, the whole thing can happen in CG and it looks cool, like it looks good, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you could pluck one of those elements out and put it into a shot and it but, would look great. But I'm saying it, it's already happened. It happened in a movie theater. It, we don't know that it happened in a movie theater. We know that Move. we Let's know look. that they that they made a presentation. And by the way, these are these are folks working with the best of the best. Right. And they have, like, you know, they did everything they needed to do to engineer those sure. two shots but to if you, work side by but side if you with think the about, other shots. If you think about this, what is actually going to the driver behind real time rendering is not to put V Ray or whoever out of business. The point is, it's all a, it, if you can get the shot out faster, you can iterate more, you can do more. So it's really, it's, there is a huge financial incentive to be able to get this technology as far as it can possibly go. I have mm-hmm. nothing against real-time rendering. I want to make that oh, I, yeah. I want to make that clear. I just like with with many things where uh, the excitement like with VR mm-hmm. or with Max. Right. Where the excitement Ma- 3D over- Max or Max the computer, Mac the uh, Macintosh, oh, okay, Apple okay. Apple devotion. Okay, got it. When the devotion or the excitement about an idea and its potential or, or you know the brand or whatever it is, um, sort of eclipses the actual usability of the thing itself. But if you think about this, so I understand what you're saying, but also consider that it is that excitement and, and enthusiasm that's probably a little too early for the maturity of whatever it is, the technology, that actually drives the technology forward. That's so for wonderful. example, so and like I have if you no, look at no problem with that, and so like if you look at uh, where for for a long time the visual uh, bar was not as high as movie making, which would be video games. And it's getting really close now, but um, they were not concerned with act like super photorealism. You know, they were like, it had to look cool. And really that's about it, you know, but what's happened is a lot of the technologies that are being developed on the game side are starting to, we're realizing in production are like pretty handy, like P 
PBR, for example, PBR shaders, you know, like, oh, yeah, that's that's pretty good. And IBL, I think, came from that, you know, Um, didn't it? I I don't think so. I don't Um, think IBL came from game engines. Hmm. That's a good question. It did happen about the same time because I remember it coming to Lightwave and then I remember seeing it in a video game and kind of being like, whoa, that's crazy. My eyes have to refocus in a game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also there's some important distinctions. First of all, I did a little bit of fact checking. Okay. Apparently, uh, according to this little article, it's little, the, there was real time footage from Unreal Engine 4 put into the uh, Rogue One movie for K2SO. Okay. So, okay, fine. Now, there's also an important <laughs> distinction there's CPU rendering. GPU rendering and there's real time rendering and of course GPU and, and real time are very closely linked but um, you know the the thing is there's different uses for each one and GPU and rendering strengths. is is GPU accelerated rendering well there's kind right? of two flavors so yeah, like it basically, so there's like Octane which is like yeah like, super fast rendering and then there's real time rendering rend- like game it's, it's like it's 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 real time rendering like it's happening at 60 fps it's it's happening right, fast right. enough where you could where it's there's and no lag. There's you know? tools like Matinee for uh, the Unreal Engine where you can set up a scene. Right. And there's uh, other ones that are less photo real or, or whatnot. But um, yeah, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. And uh, doing super high resolution stuff, very difficult on GPU because there's uh, only so much memory on a, on a GPU card that is uh, commercially feasible to make or own. Uh, there's also, you could put eight, GPUs in a computer, but now you've actually slowed down the amount of data that can be thrown into and out of them. However, that still could be leagues faster than throwing it over a network to another computer. So, and I'm wondering, like, um, it's just a limitation of sort of the uh, chipsets that can actually interface over the PCI slot to the cards. So it's like a it's a bandwidth problem. And you know, in the past, I've been excited by uh, OpenGL and, and other real hardware-assisted polygon rendering many times over, and it just sounds like that's the thing. Like, oh, it's all done in hardware. It's going to be great. There was a Matrix card in the late '90s that came out. Had I remember uh, that? Yeah, had OpenGL acceleration. That was like unheard of. That was something that was reserved for silicon graphics machines, and so now you could get one for a Windows NT machine. And uh, if you looked at the freaking OpenGL screensaver in a slowish computer, 100 megahertz, megahertz at the time, uh, you would see a gain. But once you got to about 166 megahertz or Pentium Pro, suddenly the CPU would outclass the GPU. Uh, interesting. So your little extra investment, eh, not so hot anymore. And uh, there was also a technology back in Lightwave, which was very promising, called uh, RenderGL that used an Intergraph station. Sort of the same idea. We could send OpenGL to the greatest hardware at the time to get our polygons, take that frame buffer back into the computer and save it out as a frame as if it was rendered. That lasted for maybe one or two versions of Lightwave, and nobody cared anymore because, again, the, the CPU's general purpose computers kept outclassing the gpus now over time the demand for better and better gpus has driven that industry hugely and that's been driven by games yeah if you just look at amd and nvidia and then the fact that we all need portable handheld 
<laughs> devices that can do graphics that are way beyond anything we would have imagined not even that long ago and um and also we found or they not we but that the gpu special purpose chips can do other things uh ai uh image recognition and all that uh physics protein folding so now they've become super specialized separate chips and there's a ton of money behind them. I'm sorry. Did you say protein folding? Yeah. And I don't know if I didn't folding. mention, but iClone but does protein folding. <laughs> does it? it no. It yeah. Not a ver- in, real, coming, um, in real time. Yeah. But, it does. Yeah. Uh, there's there's all kinds of uh, special purpose chips, A6 and whatnot that are that will do one thing really well. You essentially wasn't A6 the Bitcoin? Yeah. Thing? Like, yeah. Yeah. But you could do it for uh, audio processing, like DAX. You can you can do it, all kinds of cool stuff. Um, but now GPUs are sort of more general purpose at certain kinds of operations and they're coming down in price. The amount of power in an NVIDIA 1080 card, it's unbelievable yep. and affordable by uh, a consumer. Uh, and I think that there's just sort of this gap we have to jump where it still lives in a CPU kind of world. And once we narrow and narrow that gap it'll be it'll be trivial to render uh something in a gpu renderer real time or not whichever it is if it's super high res maybe it's not real time right if it's uh 2k even 4k well that'll be we might get our real time results and that that's going to be like the the moore's law of creative overload it's like you you get the hardware and then of course software goes oh okay now we have the hardware we're going to double up on now we're going to use 16k or maps or whatever you know it's always going to be that chasing the tail faster computers have never done us that much of a favor uh right (laughs) in this industry somehow our weights are similar there's not the long smoke breaks that there used to be but it's like yeah don't don't quote me on on that because yeah I do have a perhaps future topic about that but <laughs> you know one of the one I think uh, a, a really interesting um, uh, benchmark for something like iClone or or Unreal or or something like that or Unity would be to take a scene from like Toy Story one let's say or Toy Story two or something like that and see if it can do that movie in real time the and whole the whole movie the, or just a scene just so okay. you can get an idea of like. Can it push that much in real time? And so that would tell us, that would give us sort of a benchmark of it's X years, like that the time from a full farm render to real-time rendering is X years apart. So you would have a benchmark of like, okay, so real-time rendering is about, it's real-time rendering is the equivalent of CG from 1998 or whatever. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, so, I bet we are very close to the point where Toy Story could be real-time. Well, I think I think it probably could. I mean, I obviously haven't put this to the test, but real. I mean, Toy Story was not doing real-time GI. Like, I well, it wasn't was doing. Do, doing real-time anything. No, but, I, no, I but, shouldn't say real-time, but I, I don't even know if there was GI in I, Toy Story. I, 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 was all, I don't think there was. It was, yeah. all, it was I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think even A Bug's Life, I think they were, like, self, like... It's super. They, they were coloring out. coloring shadows by hand. Like and they, those they, they were, were not getting real color balance. Still, the days of film recording, and they did very custom film oh, recording right. to to get the higher resolution onto film for that movie. Yeah, so there was a point without where, a doubt you could do Toy Story on. I think Open you Geo. could. Yeah, yeah, and so I think that's kind but of an interesting idea. So yeah, so now obviously that's a huge undertaking from a manpower perspective and creative and storytelling and all that stuff. So I'm not, I'm not, I don't mean to trivialize that as a creative effort, but the, I think it is an interesting benchmark that not it's the limitation is less about just the raw power of a computer to pull something like yeah, that off. Yeah, and you know, um, 
and when I when I talk about this, the comparisons, I'm not I'm not really just talking about the the work that goes into building the assets or telling the story or creating the animation. It's really all about rendering the images. And I don't I don't honestly I don't think any time is saved on the other aspect because you still have to build the stuff. You still have to write the story. No, so no, that's, no. It's a, all, that's yeah. all. That's all. Yeah, that all lives in its own world. Um, but I feel like when at least for now, when we're looking at these pieces of software, which are really cool to look at, just like you know, the, the game industry has driven an immense amount of innovation and they continue to look better and better and better. Um, they look better and better and better, but they are always in their own world, right? They're always, it's not, you're not playing a game with game characters over live action footage that was shot with this camera or that camera or old film. Let me finish. Yeah. Um, and, and, it, but it's still, it looks amazing and you've got dynamics and you've got physics and you've got all this stuff going on. You've got, and in some cases you have a uh, GI and your, your iClone software, you know, it's real time and it's very impressive. But my sense is, is that you're in order to do what it's doing, it's, it's giving up X, Y, and Z in order to allow you to have the bells and whistles, which are really impressive for you to play with. So let me ask you a question. So when you talk about matching footage, uh, so uh, let's put aside for now, um, uh, like 10 bit, you know, or higher the the bandwidth issue, Mm -hmm. the raw let's so that, cause I don't think that does that. So let's just put that aside for now. Let's say we live in an eight bit world for, for this demonstration, but, um, are you talking about mixing live footage with this game engine technology is limited because the cameras don't match up or what, what would be, or the ability to comp it or the ability to match lighting? Like what is your feeling? Like it's, it's, it can't, you can't meld those two together. I'm not saying you can't. I'm saying that the real time engines, which look, which are creating really beautiful looking materials look beautiful in their own environment. Like if you want to build, CG characters that live in a CG world and come up with a look that is cohesive in that world in, you know, so, in one of these, uh, you know, real-time OpenGL rendering scenarios, you can do that and come up with something that's really pretty. So so if I could, so to correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm taking a jump here and you're, what you're thinking, but so are you saying it's going to be much harder to match lighting from actual footage not just in the lighting, game engine? And not just lighting. When, when, like... Just to use one example uh, of the the project that I'm working on my own my own short mm-hmm. film, um, the creatures that are animated um, they all have um, they all have to be geocached because there's a lot of dynamic uh, and uh, dynamic movement and and muscles and jiggle <coughs> excuse me all sorts of complex movements that's happening to the mesh itself. So you have to bake it out, basically. So it has to be baked out. So that's a, that's a, you know, a load of information. There's extremely high-resolution textures, multi-UV tiled, in order to be able to render these creatures at close range and get dynamic moves, and you can't just you know, get close to it without it breaking down. So you, you, know, you need that level of texture resolution. And then there's displacement that happens at render time. So, uh, and that's, again, map-driven and tessellation-driven. And that's not something you're going to see in, in, you know, done in any kind of realistic way in, in a real-time renderer. And then on top of well, that, that, actually, you, that actually, that part's not true. And then on top of that, you've got subsurface scattering. And, that's true. And, that's, and, and, although and, I think mm, Unreal, Unreal has subsurface now. <laughs> I mean, to, to what degree, I yeah, would ask. There because is, there's I mean, all kinds of fakes and hacks for subsurface scattering, which are cool for a game engine, but not cool for a, a real production scenario. Other than subsurface scattering being a 
simulation of physics. I mean, they're they're doing it. No, um, I, yeah. I believe that they now, are, and I believe that. Don't get me wrong. I believe that that this technology will continue to advance. Oh, yeah. I, I have no illusion about the game industry going away. It's going to continue to drive innovation. Maybe in five or ten years, you know, real time rendering will go away. I'm just saying, like, when you pull up iClone today and say, "Isn't this cool?" and I say, "I don't know what I would do with that." This is what I'm talking about. So this is not, for me, a larger conversation about where technology is headed. Technology is You're talking headed. about boots on the ground right now. I'm talking boots on the ground right now so, because I honestly, I don't give a shit about 10 years from now. So, right. Like, so, I, I need to learn the so software and the tools and the techniques sure. to get what I need to get done well, today. So I guess what I, I would say, if you would, uh, probably a, a, better, a better argument to counter your argument here would be not iClone. It would be Unreal. And it'd probably okay. be Unreal with the real-time octane that they're including for free. So that's going to be closer to a production tool that you're talking about. Sure. iClone is not that. So, But, right. but it's still real-time yeah. or near real-time, I guess. Well, okay. Now let's let's wrap it up with oh, a yeah. final what's, thought. What's the takeaway? Oh, are we, because yeah, yeah, is it final thought time? Oh, yeah. It's we're, final thought time uh, because, um, yeah, this is definitely a thing where I think we're all under-informed. Uh, because it, no, seriously, my myself definitely included. No, you're right. Because this is uh, stuff that is coming around. I think quicker and quicker. The price of chips is getting ridiculously cheaper and cheaper, and what they can do um, is, is amazing. But the software tools that we need, the things you're talking about, like does real time really matter when you're doing a tedious, tedious camera track? That it doesn't matter if it's real time or not because you can't get the accuracy you need. Uh, you know, the, the result getting rendered is trivial compared to the workload to get to something that you can render real time or not. Right. You still so, have to do that. I mean, if, I, if I'm going to submit, if I'm going to submit something to a farm and, and get yeah. busy with some other task, yeah, it, it doesn't does, really matter that I can't really render it in real matter. time. Right. Awesome. You don't, you're not stopping working. You're, right. you're still yeah. staying productive. Of course there's yeah. always work to do, but I think the, the thing is the software needs to meet us. Whether or not the hardware is doing this stuff in real time to the resolution we need, the displacement maps, the the technology, the and 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 in my case, I've seen a lot of high resolution high resolution things just fail because the GPUs can't spit it out. Everything has to be thought of really specifically and tiled and you have to like overthink and, it. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyways, that's my thought. Is that I think it's going to happen maybe quicker than Ephraim thinks. I think the software guy's got to get on the ball because there's no super good place where all of our tools meet. There is sending things to a render. There's adding shaders to geometry that goes to a GPU and gives us a nice frame. But in the terms of everything we do, where real time would really be handy, I don't think we have it. I wish we did. Yeah, and my Which, my, my final thoughts would be. Um, I, I agree. I'm severely underinformed. I have not experienced uh, the Octane Renderer or Redshift or any of the, the real-time or GPU-accelerated options. So I really don't know. I just know that um, there's so much heavy lifting being done by V-Ray for the things that I need to do that, need, that I need to be able to composite into a real plate um, that it's, it's hard for me to imagine 
that, oh, well, you'll be able to do that in real time now. Like if we jumped forward 10 years from now, yes, of course, I, I could believe that. But right now, when, when, when you open up something and show me something in real time, it's cool and it makes me want to play a game. It really does. It makes <laughs> me want to sit down and play a game because uh, games look amazing now. Uh, but I don't see it as a, an immediate uh, tool for my, for my work. Gotcha. And, so, uh, and I want to uh, tag on to that. Real-time and GPU, again, could be separate things. You could turn a six-hour render into a two-hour render with uh, potential compromises. And that's real today. And what kind of compromise? I don't know like, what you well, give up for you that. have to worry about how many image maps you can throw at that GPU. And that depends on how much money you have to spend on a GPU that has the amount of gigabytes you need. You need to start paying attention to that stuff. Whereas now, a decently competent workstation, I hardly ever look at my memory meters and I can do what I need to do. Uh, when you get to the GPU, you're back to kind of the olden days. Like, how many images can I load? And can I compromise? Or can I scale one down and throw this one at that instead? And that kind of thing. So, right, right. So, my, so there is a benefit, and you may be able to avoid needing a render farm, sort of. <laughs> so my takeaway is uh, two pieces. The first one is a prediction. The prediction is, I think, in the next three to five years, we're going to see something in the movie theater that was created with a game engine, and it'll hold up. And, you know, I can't guarantee the story will be good, but we'll watch it and we'll go pretty good. Look like a DreamWorks movie or something like that. You know, Mortal Kombat three, like bet like good, like on par with like a Pixar, maybe a Pixar from two years ago without like super sexy R&D stuff that they're doing with water and stuff. But something that nobody would know unless you were looking for those yeah. specific things. Polar Express two. And then uh, uh, and then the other thing, too, is um, I think that Rubicon of mixing real time footage you know like actual shot footage with these game engine things is not that far off and i think that really will be the that'll be the telegram that you know your christmas present has arrived and i and i think we're very close to that yeah and i think we are too i just want to you know say that you know hard surface stuff like a robot i absolutely think that you know all, all the best demos are of hard surface stuff and that's the easiest stuff to get away with with a real time or a gpu render so those things we're going to see sooner rather than later. But sure. when you come when it comes to you know organic soft creatures, I think that's well, going to th take a little a little longer. If you think one quick little piece, if you think about um, uh, a, a smart filmmaker will take the technology where it exists now and hide the flaws and uh, you know show off their strengths. And I think a, a good example of that is Jurassic Park. You know. Um, the night night nighttime stuff holds up better than the daytime stuff, you know, and it's because that was sort of the state of the art at the time. And I think a good filmmaker will know where to dodge and and you know like um, use the technology in an effective way that conceals the limitations of the technology. But just and, remember, when they were doing Jurassic Park, they didn't have other options. It wasn't like we can do GPU or CPU. No, but my but my point is is that like they 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 did understand the limitations of the technology sure. to, to try to maximize it where it's really good, which was at nighttime back in the day, you know, CG at nighttime was, you bought it, you know, sure. Full daytime, full lit stuff. You're like, looks pretty good. So if you, not if you super <coughs> real, if but, you decided you were going to have a creative limitation, let's say like you were going to shoot a film on your iPhone or you're going to only render in GPU. <laughs> oh my God. I like how it's always least common. To I like how you can't actually go out with an Alexa, hire real actors and shoot. I like how it's no, always I'm like, saying, if you, if you, junior, if you're at a junior high and you have, as an old VHS camera, you could right. probably pull something off that doesn't suck. With only your family. Yeah. yeah. I think uh. the point is we do want to see that toolkit. 
Yeah. You know, like yeah. Uh, demonstrate it to us now. And, and, and uh, please. And I think really <laughs> why I'm so excited about this is because uh, any artist wants to see the creative loop shortened because you want to see if it's what you're what you have yeah. in your head. Get rid yeah. of you a know? render farm. Exactly. I mean, that's the next step. Nobody ever signed up for a fucking render farm when yeah. they when they got into this business. They sh- they signed up to do spaceships and dinosaurs and you know whatever. They didn't show up to write code unless you're a programmer. Then you did. Sorry guys. But you see what I'm saying? Yeah, like I, do, I do. I want the train set in front of me. I don't want to render out the caboose and the the engine and then the track separately and, and then see, composite and when, it together. And when those things are here for me to use, I'll be ecstatic. But I personally can't get into that mindset now or I'll go crazy because I actually... You'll get I, overly excited. I have to use the render farm. I have to take, <laughs> sure. the, yeah, I have yeah. to take the long way to get to where I'm going now. And, and, I, and I understand the necessity of it. So until those tools are like ready for me to use, I'm, I'm not going to worry too much about it. Right. Got it. All right. Thanks. Thanks for joining us in our amazing real-time conversation. What? Bye. This was not rendered. <laughs> 10 Giant Robots is created and distributed by the 10 Giant Robots Radio Network in beautiful downtown Burbank, California. Our theme music was created by the incredibly talented Shane Knight. Follow us on Twitter at 10GiantRobots or at 10GiantRobots.com. <laughs> <laughs>